Hey, welcome back to the DFitzel podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I have an amazing episode lined up for you. Today, I speak with Jeremiah Bear, who is an online training and nutrition coach that's based out of Scottsdale, Arizona. He runs his online coaching company called Elevated Coaching Systems. In today's episode, we dive into things like his transformation journey, even as a coach. We talk through things like imposter syndrome. You know, he shares his approach to online coaching and even common client struggles. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode as much as I did filming it and I hope that you take something away from it. If you do, please leave us a five-star review on Spotify or iTunes. And Jeremiah, if you are listening to this, I just want to thank you again for taking time you know, out of your busy schedule to, you know, to pop on my podcast. It means the world. You are the first ever guest. So thanks for taking, you know, this leap of faith <laughs> to be on my podcast. It means the world. And with that said, let's get into it. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Jeremiah, for coming on. I'm super pumped for you to be here. Um, you know, I've been like following you for like a while and like love all like your content, all of that. For everybody listening, they probably may not, you know, know who you are because you're based all the way in the States and people don't know yet. Um, so maybe just for everybody listening, let's just give them a little bit of an introduction of like who you are, what you do and why you do what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, it is an honor to be here. It's always so cool to be able to connect with people all over the world. Like you're based in Singapore, I'm in Arizona. So that is cool to me. But um, I am an online nutrition and training coach. So basically I own the company Elevated Coaching Systems. We're a team of four and we really focus primarily on helping women build lean muscle and get leaner. And yeah, in a nutshell, that's kind of who I am and what we do outside of that. I really love content creation. Um, I love my dog and (laughs) that is essentially, I feel like all I do. Um, But yeah, that is me in a nutshell. Did you want me to dig into my backstory a little bit or kind of just sum it up quickly? Yes, let's let's go a bit into the backstory as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, for me, I really got into training and this is like the most bro story ever, but I got into training because my buddy and I thought it'd be hilarious to do the peg pop thing. So like this, <laughs> we thought it would be hilarious to be able to just do that in a conversation. So that was what got me and my friend into working out. Um, and then from there, back in like 2009 or 2010, I took pre-workout for the first time and it was the craziest thing ever. Um, me and my friend again went and did every lift we could think of in the gym. And basically that day I decided, okay, I'm going to be a personal trainer, but I'm going to do it like online somehow. And this was again, that's like 12, 13 years ago. So it's like at the time online training wasn't really a thing. Mm-hmm. So um, it's kind of weird how that played out. But then from there, basically I started training people in person in 2014 and 2014 through 2018, I trained a ton of people in person. Um, 2018, I kind of went all in on the online side of things. And that kind of brought us to where we are here today. Hmm. Awesome. So I think like the two, the thing that both of us have like in common, which like we spoke about is like that we both worked with the same coach. So like Cody, and I think Mm -hmm. that's super awesome. So I saw like your transformation online and I mean, that was pretty insane. Like, I mean, as a coach, like going through your own transformation and getting coached through that as well. And I don't know, I'm sure it did a lot for 
for you as well. Like maybe you can share if, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like what, what do you take from that transformation? How was that like journey for you? Oh, absolutely. So for me, so that transformation started in 2018. So I had already been in the training and I had already been coaching for a very long time, but basically I was in a place where I was training so many people that I wasn't prioritizing my own training and my own nutrition, which is interestingly something that a lot of coaches fall into, where it's like, you're working with so many people, you're doing what you love so much that you actually let yourself slip to the back burner. And I really was, it was really starting to bother me because I was feeling like I had also never before that been able to like follow through with a diet well enough to get into like a very lean condition myself. I've been able to build a lot of muscle, but I had never like really been able to follow through with a diet. And that really bothered me because most of the people I was working with, I was telling them, Hey, like, yeah, we, I can help you get super lean. I can help you do all these things, but I hadn't done it myself. And again, I wasn't prioritizing my own training, my own nutrition. Like I wasn't necessarily practicing what I was preaching and that really, really bothered me. So at the same time, I was also trying to learn how to build my own online coaching business. So I wanted to one change that story around. I'm not practicing what I'm preaching and um, know that at the end of like my own transformation, I could say like, no matter at what result the client wanted to achieve, basically no matter how lean they wanted to get. And this was definitely very specific to fat loss. Um, no matter how lean they wanted to get, I could basically say, Hey, I've done that. I have been there. I understand what it's like, because it's one thing to like understand the science of helping somebody get me. Right. But it's a whole other thing to actually have gone through it and experienced it yourself. And I think that's so important as a coach to actually have confidence in what you're prescribing. You'll know so much more about the actual process than if it's just like, Hey, okay, I understand basically how to set and adjust macros. So, um, that was one of the biggest pieces for that. And again, I just wanted Cody was somebody I respected a ton. I felt like they were providing one of the best online coaching services in the space and straight up, like as a coach myself, I wanted to see what they were doing, how he was coaching. So I could like help use that to improve the service that I was giving my clients. And I will say as well, like seeing how he delivered things was so helpful for me in that regard. And then through the process, it really, that transformation really did help my confidence a lot because before that, again, I'd never been able to like take my physique to the point where I was extremely lean. I'd never been able to like follow through with the diet, which again, really bothered me. So for me, I went into that process knowing, okay, at the end of this, I want to be able to tell myself I haven't left anything on the table, right? I don't want to have to look back on it and thought like, man, I could have done better. I could have followed through more, which was very much like, I felt like kind of a microcosm of my life up to that point. I felt like there were a lot of things where I had kind of left them unfinished, right? I had kind of done it halfway. And I was so sick of that kind of being the pervasive story in my life, not just in my fitness. The interesting, like, interestingly for me, like, that commitment to a coach was when I was just finally so fed up with that in all areas of my life. They're like, okay, this has to change. Right. And I built so much confidence in myself through that. So basically it was nine months getting ready for a photo shoot, but it was so cool to like come out on the other side. Well, it was a challenging process to know I didn't leave anything on the table in that regard. Like I had fully followed through with my promise and my commitment to myself. And I had done the thing that I set out to, despite it being extremely hard. And it was cool as well to see, like, um, that's very much when our coaching company started to grow as well, which again, like that, like fitness and nutrition being a microcosm for the rest of my life. It was so cool to see how much I carry over to like 
me actually turning into the person that I wanted to be who would follow through with their commitments to themselves. And again, like it's, I think when people say like getting in shape helps boost your confidence, it's not so much because it's like, oh, wow, I have apps and I feel way more confident now. It's not like that in and of itself. Yeah, it's cool. But it's seeing yourself follow through and basically hold your promises to yourself, right? Like that's constantly like little, little deposits of confidence in your bank account. Whereas if you're always telling yourself you're going to do something and you're not following through with that, you're constantly getting in a place where you trust yourself less and less, right? You don't trust yourself to do hard things, which does sap people's confidence so much. So I would really say for me, that was kind of the biggest thing that I took away from it. Does all that make sense? Yeah, it does. Like actually like quite a lot of things jump out. So I mean, the two things, like the first thing would be like, I mean, accountability, which I feel like, you know, you definitely value um, both from like, a, I mean, personal development and also from like your own training and nutrition, which you've said to have a coach or somebody else hold you accountable to your own goals to get you to a point that you've never been at before. I think that's like so important. And I think that's what a lot of people don't realize that they need. Um, and the second piece would be like, of course, like imposter syndrome, which I think like, most people actually do face um oh absolutely yeah so i don't know like whether you have any thoughts on like either of them yeah yeah i mean as far as imposter syndrome i think that everybody does face that and i honestly don't think it's something that ever goes away i really think that if you're constantly trying to grow and improve which I think we as coaches should be, you'll probably always be surrounded by a lot of people that seem so much smarter than you. And that's like, I constantly feel so dumb on my podcast with the guests I have gone. And it's like, wow, you're so much smarter than me. Um, So it's, it's, I feel like that's a constant thing. And I honestly feel like that's like it. Typically, if we're in a place where we're super comfortable in any area of our life, we're probably not growing a lot and it sucks to feel uncomfortable. Like for me, like every time I go to record a podcast with a guest, or if I'm, if I'm on somebody's podcast, like right now, it still makes me very nervous. It's uncomfortable. And I typically want to like, especially if it's somebody that I've been following for a long time and it's like my first time talking to them, I'm almost always like, man, I should just cancel this. Like, why do I do this? But so much growth occurs because of that. Right. So, um, I think kind of that discomfort from imposter syndrome, we could almost look at as a positive thing. Like if you do just feel like you need to, you know, it all, you don't need to improve unless you are literally like the best in the world. That's probably kind of a red flag. Um, And then absolutely the accountability is such an important piece of this as well. I think just bringing in somebody from the outside is such a powerful thing when it comes to transformation. I think a lot of people think like, Hey, I just need to find my motivation Someday I'm going to like find like the thing that's going to spark it. And then I'm going to constantly be motivated, right? I'll never run out of motivation. And then that's when I'll turn into the person that I want to become. But I'm just not motivated right now. So like, I'm going to put that on. I'm just going to wait for that. Whereas in reality, that very, very, very rarely happens to someone, right? It's much easier rather than just trying to turn yourself into somebody that's constantly motivated. Okay. What can I change in my external environment to make it easier for me to follow through with the things that I need to be doing? So like, as you said, bringing in a coach, one, it creates a lot of accountability. One, it's a financial investment, which makes it a lot harder to not follow through. Like it makes it more painful to not follow through. Two, you know that you have to check in with someone else, right? It's a lot easier to like, just tell yourself, I'm going to do, you're going to do something and not follow through with it. If you're the only one holding yourself accountable, 
but it's a lot harder when it's like, man, I really look up to this person. I respect them and I'm investing a lot of money and I'm still not following through. But also they create so much structure around what you're doing in your day to day and your week to week that again, we're just making it easier and easier for you to follow through with the things that you need to do mm-hmm. and understand that you're not always going to be motivated. But when we have all the structure and accountability outside of that, then that kind of helps us bypass those times with lower motivation. And also just having somebody to talk to you oftentimes helps you become more motivated. Hmm. I think you have like, I mean, I've listened to your podcast and like the one thing that like I really liked was that you you had this phrase, like which was something like, I can't remember it off the bat now, but it was something like, you know, how you put yourself intentionally into like difficult, uncomfortable positions. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What, 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 what was that phrase? If you can remind me. Um, was it talking about putting your back against the wall? Yes, I think something like that. So I think that was super useful because I mean that sort of analogy, um, even like for me starting like the podcast and like getting guests on, like it was like sort of like, you know, okay, start a podcast, that's one. I can put out episodes. Uh, but until I actually like, you know, force my, oh, force, like forcing your own hand, something like that, right? Um, and, yeah, okay. Yeah, and basically ask people, who you know you, you want to speak to and you want to learn from get them on mm-hmm. put yourself in that position then only do you actually put yourself out there enough you know and get discomfort right right so- no absolutely yeah yeah very much i think that that's an important like an easy way to understand like okay what's one decision i can make that kind of topples all the dominoes right Like for me, when I was starting my podcast, it was so, I was procrastinating so much because I was scared to do it. And it's like, well, I got to do this. I got to figure out this. I have to figure out this. So eventually it was just like, okay, I'm going to DM somebody and say, hey, will you come on my podcast this day, this time? Cool. Okay. Now, like that wasn't that hard to do, but now that's forcing my hand with, okay, I know I have to have figured out how to record a podcast by this time, which I think is what you're referring to, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Really cool. Um, I think like, very interesting because you mentioned like at the start that like you know what got you into training is like very much the the bro side of things um and then yeah. now seeing you like i mean coaching predominantly women like mm-hmm. that, that's pretty um intriguing like what, what what made you sort of like you know focus very much on like just like coaching women i have and i can't fully explain why but i've always just enjoyed uh coaching women a little bit more and I think honestly part of that is typically women are just the one that work with coaches more so like when I was an in-person trainer at the gym um it was like maybe 10% of the time the clients that I was working with were men so honestly I'll say like I didn't initially start with in my mind hey I'm gonna coach almost exclusively women but it more just came like hey most of the most people that are coming through the door to work with a coach are women it seems typically men are a little bit less hesitant or a little bit more hesitant to like invest in something like a coach in that regard at least in the past I don't I think that's less and less true now but basically then it's like okay well I'm working with most women mostly women so I definitely need to build my skill set and do more research and expand my knowledge more specific to women so kind of over time and that could have very well just been like the specific gym that I worked at but kind of over time, then that turned into an area where it's more of a specialty and basically where I think I'm better able to help. So really more than anything, that's kind of why I've been focused in that area for most of my career. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, quite like, I, can, I coach a lot of like women as well. 
And I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, a lot of things that, I mean, training and nutrition is like, you know, after all, like science, right? And definitely there are people that know the science better than others. Uh, but I think like for majority of people, especially, or like majority of women, especially when they like, are first starting out their own journeys, um, mm-hmm. it's not so much the training and nutrition side of things that sort of stumbles them as much as it is like the mindset and approach to things, which is sort mm-hmm. of a real stumbling block. Uh, um, that if they can get that right, um, usually the training and nutrition piece, I mean, needs work, but will fall into place. Um, mm-hmm. How do you like, I mean, what do you actually see as like, you know, the struggles that like women face more? Um, now and especially like how do you actually help them through that you know especially when it comes to like the mindset oh absolutely so I'll say right out of the gate and again keep in mind like relative to I don't want to say like these are just things with women but again like most of the people that I talk to most people that I work with clients are women so a lot of the most common things that I see first really kind of this all or nothing thinking, which causes these like, hey, maybe you are just absolutely nailing everything for two weeks. And then you have a minor slip up, you eat a food that wasn't on your food list, or whatever it may be, like, eat a food you label as bad. And then that kind of creates this cascade of like, okay, well, I fell off. What's the point? And you're off the wagon for a couple weeks and kind of like endlessly living in that cycle due to just expecting I have to be basically looking at nutrition as perfect or failure. Right. Whereas the reality is there's a lot of gray area there. So one of the first things, and I'll say like on our initial call with clients, this is almost always something that comes up. One of the first things that we'll dig into there is just the expectation of, Hey, I have never had a client go through this process. that has been perfect the entire time. You are probably going to slip up, but understand that like, if we overeat by 500 calories one day, that's just not that, or a thousand calories or 1500 calories. Even in a fat loss phase, like a single day of that, it's just not that big of a deal. If you look at this over the course of just an entire week, you're still in a net deficit, right? Um, Because I very much, a lot of the women that we work with are pretty type A to where it's like, I didn't nail my macros perfectly and I failed. And I really like the analogy of like, hey, even if we like, if we actually look at two chicken breasts, like you would plug that into my fitness pal is okay. It's four ounces of chicken. It's about 22 grams of protein. But if we actually looked at that, like, one of those chickens probably has closer to like 27 to 25 grams of protein. The other one might actually have like 20 to 21. So even then, like no matter how perfectly we log macros, we're just not able to actually be quote unquote perfect. Um, there's still going to be some disparity there. So just understanding that. And also again, like I like to really work clients actually through the math of like, because oftentimes the thing we'll hear is like, okay, well, I wasn't perfect yesterday. I ate a little bit more or I ate this food and the scales up today so often also like just work through the math of literally like okay for you let's say your maintenance calories are 2200 that's right where you maintain we've been at 1700 calories we're trying to create a 500 calorie per day deficit so yesterday you actually went a little bit over we saw you went like 600 calories over so understand like hey you're still below your maintenance right so we still know actually you lost a little bit of fat and if we look at this across the course of the week we're still in a very large net deficit for the week but even if we like work through the math of like, okay, so we know that to actually have gained a pound of fat, if your maintenance is 2,200, gaining a pound of fat requires eating about 3,500 calories over maintenance intake. So you would have actually had to eat about 5,700 calories to even gain a single pound of fat. We see the scales up like two pounds. So like if we just work through the numbers here, we can see like, 
okay, that's for sure just water weight. Like you definitely didn't gain that much fat. We actually didn't see you gain any fat. And like just being able to, little conversations like that are so helpful in being able to kind of just grasp the bigger picture. Um, and that really ties into another common thing is just being so frustrated with the scale and the relationship with the scale, which again, just understanding, especially as a woman, typically we're going to see a lot, you're going to see a lot more fluctuations in your body weight than men will. So if you're always so attached to like the scale increasing or decreasing, like in a, it's a fat loss phase, it's just going to be a constant emotional roller coaster, right? It's always going to go up and down, up and down. We just want to see a downward trend over time. So then like just understanding, hey, we're not too worried about these day-to-day fluctuations. We're looking at weekly averages, yeah. plus how are your body measurements changing and how are your progress pictures changing, right? Even like if the scale is staying similar, but we're seeing positive changes in measurements and your progress pictures, how your body looks and feels is actually changing, which is actually what you're focused on, not hitting a specific weight. Um, like it's cool. Like I think it's oftentimes easy to get focused on just a specific number on the scale when it's like, Hey, is that actually what you want? Or is it to like look and feel a certain way? Right. Are we, are we moving closer to that? Cool. Then like, we don't need to be too stressed about this number. Um, and then I also think, sorry, I'm kind of off on a tangent here. I would say the final thing is being okay with taking time away from the diet, which is very important. Again, a lot of times the women we work with will start in a place where They've been trying to diet for years and years, but the physique they want doesn't just entail fat loss, but also, also adding something muscle. So the reality is a lot of times it is, Hey, we need to take a good, like six months, at least away from you trying to lose fat and actually focus on teaching you how to fuel your body so that you can build more lean muscle. So that at the end of your fat loss phase, whenever that may be like eight months, nine months down the road from now, after we've gone through a building phase and a fat loss phase, like at the end of that, you'll have added more muscle tissue and your physique will look the way you want, where like you look lean and defined and strong. But if we don't ever focus on like these building phases and taking some time to actually fuel yourself, build lean muscle, if we're always dieting, basically then what happens at the end of the fat loss phase is like you are leaner. Yeah. But you also still won't have as much shape and definition as you want because you don't have enough muscle. So I think just understanding that and being okay with embracing that is definitely one of the biggest mindset hurdles that we have to work through but again it's kind of being able to as a coach take the bigger picture of okay we have to set aside what seems most appealing right now and actually look at for you to be where you want to be in a year instead of just spinning your wheels like you have the last three years what do we actually need to do differently and again a lot of times it is okay this is going to be six eight months of building which is going to be a little bit uncomfortable you're going to be eating more we might even see the scale go up a little bit but that sets us up a year from now to be in a much better place. And you finally achieve the physique changes you want, but it takes a little bit more patience and willingness to play the long game. So that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, I think like just hearing you share about your clients. So it seems like a lot of them are very much like, you know, trying to like, you know, gain muscle and, you know, get that, you know, tone look and all of that. Like, to share like a lot of my clients are sort of like on the sort of opposite end of that spectrum where they're trying to really like you know dial in their habits you know basically go through and and basically lose fat right a lot of like inherent like habits from like from younger and you know they just need to change that um i don't know like whether like what your thoughts are on on you know a more like a longer like 
fat loss phase um, for some for someone like that because they have like a lot of fat to lose. Um, and mm-hmm. also, like I said, I would be interested to hear like, you know, your approach to, I mean, you know, you have like a whole like facing dieting thing. And, you know, I've read a lot about different people's approach to, you know, fat loss, right? Some people, also mm-hmm. basically coaches, right? Some coaches have a more like, you know, um, milder approach to like fat loss where they will like, you know, go into like maybe a 10% sort of deficit and you know, just write it out. Or some people mm-hmm. like, get in and out really quickly, um, you know, like 20, 30%, you know, about there. Um, I don't know, like what, what your thoughts are on, on that and like, how do you actually, yeah. do you actually have like different um, approaches for like different people and, you know, when would you use that? Oh, absolutely. So, as far as rate of loss goes, it very much depends on the individual and what their goals are, right? So I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with aggressive or conservative dieting. Some clients will diet very aggressively and some clients will be very conservative with. I think the most important thing, like as a coach and as a client, is first of all, weighing the trade-offs, right? So, hey, okay, we know if we want to take you through an aggressive diet, you're going to have to honestly be a lot more hungry. We're going to have to be, there's going to be a lot less room for like more flexible foods, less alcohol. You're going to have to be very dialed in. You're going to have these macros very consistently in order to like hit this rate of loss. Like here's how I see it. It could potentially affect like your family life, your energy levels, your work, et cetera. Are you okay with those trade-offs for a quicker rate of loss? Right. And same thing goes for like, if we're talking about taking a slower rate of loss, because a lot of times initially, the thing that makes or breaks, like whether a fat loss phase is successful, isn't the rate of loss itself, but like, does it, is it actually something the client is willing to do, right? Some people just aren't willing to lose at a slow rate of loss for the next year. And they're okay with giving up some flexibility and dieting a little bit more aggressively to get things done quicker, right? Whereas some people are the opposite, where it's like, hey, I'm not willing to give up these things. So I am okay with a little bit of slower rate of loss. So I think first of all, explaining to a client those trade-offs and letting them decide where they fall is very important. So that's oftentimes, again, like our initial call and our initial conversation with clients, what we'll be working through. Now, from there, typically I'll say like for an individual who has a good amount more to lose, typically, so let's say for example, and of course this varies so much, but let's say like a woman that wants to lose over a hundred pounds. Typically in a case like that, we'll, and they'll just be at like a healthy place when they lose that hundred pounds, typically in a place like that will be a little bit more aggressive out of the gate. I'll typically go with a little bit more aggressive rate of loss just because we can. Um, And the thing to understand is like with aggressive dieting, we do want to make sure that uh, somebody has enough calories to hit their micronutrient needs. They can get adequate protein um, have solid energy, but again, like we're not going to, there's a kind of a stigma in the industry that if we diet too aggressively, we're going to like break people and damage them beyond repair. But a lot of times for someone who like has again, like, Hey, I have hundred, 150 pounds to lose to get back to being healthy. A lot of times the best thing we can do is push for a little bit quicker rate of loss because a lot of people, when they see like, okay, I could only lose one pound per week, for example, And again, like this is definitely a mindset that I would address, but right out of the gate with that client, if we started them off, like, Hey, we're just going to have you lose a half pound per week. And this is going to take two years. They might just not follow through. And the reality is like, 
they might die a lot earlier because we weren't able to kind of consider from a mental perspective what could initially get by it. Now, that's again, not to say like, that's always the case. This is so dependent on where the person is coming from and like their psychology. On the flip side, if we're in a place where it's like, hey, your habits are just, your habits need so much work, right? And there's like, we need to really focus on education around just better food choices, about just kidding your step goals, um, about managing stress and sleep. On the flip side, like I think of a client that I'm working with, what I think we've been working together since July, maybe June, and she has lost 50 pounds. But for the first, the first month, she didn't lose any weight. And we were just focused on like, hey, so this is kind of the exact opposite of what I discussed before. Like her goal was to lose right around 80 ish pounds, but we took a very slow approach at the start because it was like, your stress is just so high. You're getting like 500 steps a day. Sleep is rough. Like we have to focus on their like such consistent alcohol intake, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but like on the daily as a coping mechanism, like we have to get, you, we have to improve these things before it would make sense for us to like try to push aggressive fat loss. Um, so it's just so variable in that regard. Now, typically as an individual gets leaner, and also the context of this depends on if we're talking about someone going from like, hey, maybe I have, I'm not necessarily obese, but like I have a decent amount of body fat to lose and I can still stay within a healthy range. Typically there, um, we're going to aim for about 0.5 to 1% of body weight loss per week, typically. And that's a pretty solid range. Now, if we're talking about somebody going from like lean to shredded, right? Basically going from healthy body fat to an unhealthy level of lean, they'll often take lean a little bit more towards a slower rate of loss, just because going from like that lean to shredded, already your calories, your intake is gonna be pretty low. We're gonna suffer with like low energy. So, and, and it would also wear a little bit more likely to lose muscle tissue when that's happening. So it makes sense for us to, if possible, try to keep calories a little bit higher and accept like, Hey, it'll typically just be a little bit slower rate of loss. Um, yeah. And I mean, like a lot of times if I'm getting somebody ready for a photo shoot, for example, we'll kind of, what I'll do is like, okay, so let's say you have 20 pounds to lose to get ready for it. We had project about 20 pounds to get you ready for the shoot. A lot of times like the first four to five weeks where body fat is a little bit higher. And again, we're at a, we have, we can basically burn a bit more of that as fuel. And we have a little bit more because we have more fat, we're a lot less likely to actually um, lose any muscle. A lot of times for that first like five weeks, I will be a lot more aggressive and then pull back a little bit. So like, so aiming closer for like 1% of body weight loss per week and then pull back in the latter half to a little bit slower rate of loss. A lot of times people kind of flip that on the head on his head where it's very conservative at the start. And then, then it's like, oh shit, my shoot's in four weeks and I have to kind of scramble to get ready. And then they have to get very aggressive at the end. So I really kind of try to flip that on its head. So we have room to be a little bit more conservative as you get leaner and you're more likely to lose muscle. Um, but again, there's so many different ways we could look at this. Does, does that answer your question somewhat? Yeah, it does. As in basically that the, it depends on, you know, basically where the client is, um, their whole, psychology behind it and you know what they're willing to to sort of give and take right which i think is right, the right. most important thing when it comes to like adherence and if they can't even adhere to it then is in there's no point in like you know going down that route in the first place right, right. Yeah. no absolutely 
I think um, I have like, so, I mean, you have obviously been a coach for much longer than me. So I want to like really like ask, I mean, some very much selfish questions about like, what do you feel like, uh, (laughs) what do you feel like, you know, is like the most challenging and like difficult part about being, I mean, a coach is like one, but I mean, then then again, like an online coach, like for you specifically, what, what, what do you feel is most challenging? Yeah, I think that one of the things always with coaching is the fact that you are taking on so many different people's emotions, right? And it's very hard. Like, I love my clients to death and I want them to succeed. But like a lot of times, like challenging things happen to clients. And it that that I think is in itself is probably the hardest part of coaching is like there is just always so many emotions involved. Um, and like hard, challenging things happening to your clients. I mean, like you're very much there along with them on that journey. I would definitely say for me, like from a mental perspective, that is the hardest thing. And honestly, I would say also drawing boundaries to where, again, I can put myself, I can also make myself a priority. And that might mean like simple things, like making sure I don't check my email first thing or like, okay, I'm hanging out with my girlfriend and it's 9.30 p.m., but I'm gonna run up and check my email really quick to just like make sure none of my clients need anything where it's like, eventually you can get to the point where you burn out if you don't draw boundaries with like, okay, I don't check email until after I do these things in the morning. And then I have like this hard cutoff time. And also your clients will absolutely respect that. But I will say like, that's definitely something that I have always struggled with. I've improved in that area a lot, but it's definitely a work in progress. I, I would for sure say though, like with coaching, that's my biggest struggle. Uh, what do you mean from a mental perspective or did you want me to take a different angle there? Yeah, I think I think from a mental perspective, because I mean, that's really like what I struggle with as well. So it's interesting to hear that, I mean, that's exactly what you face. Like, actually I had a question, which was, you know, how do you guide your energy, right? As a coach, because I feel like it's always, yeah. you're always like giving and like trying to, you know, sort of supply that energy. And if you're not like sort of paying attention to it, you actually, you know, like set of your own energy and then you really have like mm-hmm. nothing, nothing to go on after that, right? So, I mean, I totally yeah. agree with that, you know, what you shared about like the boundaries. I think that's super helpful. I, I am so bad at that and definitely something that I need to work on. Like there was a point in time where like, I mean, you know, you want your clients to get results so much, right? That like I would actually right. check like, you know, their, their chapters like, in through the week just to like and then it's just like it doesn't help right because you're like checking you're like basically like micromanaging even though you're not really communicating oh, yeah. what your thoughts are and then you're like okay they did this and then you know like along the way you're already preempting yourself for like what you're gonna say in like the weekend when you when it comes to your check-in so i'm like okay dash stop doing that and like you know reserve your energy for like whatever else you need to do create content do all these other things so that when it comes to that point you know you are like still 100% and not functioning at like 20% at, at that point when you need to basically do your check-in. So I think that's something that like I'm definitely still working on and yeah. Yeah, I definitely do the same thing still from time to time. So <laughs> definitely don't like think I'm definitely not perfect in that case either. Um, but yeah, I think that, and it's a hard thing because again, part of actually caring and wanting to be a good coach is the fact that you're going to be invested in your clients. Right. And that, that's just what it is. So I think, I think to an extent, it's not necessarily pursuing 
not having any of your energy drained, but understanding that some of your role is giving energy, but also making sure that you're setting time for yourself to kind of recharge that energy, which again comes with boundaries of like, okay, these are the hours that I communicate outside of this. I don't check my communication channels, especially if I know like I'm just going to read emails and not get back to them um, until the morning. Like that's not necessarily productive. Um, So I would say for me, those are typically the most helpful things. Mm. Well, like, you know, as for yourself, like, you know, we, we talked about like, you know, you guarding your own e- energy and sort of your own development. Um, how do you look at like your own personal development? Like what is, as in how would you outline that for yourself? And how do you like, you know, make sure that you're always growing? Because I feel like that's something that like you value. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, it all comes down to my morning routine, honestly. So basically in my mornings, I am almost always trying to do 20 to 30 minutes of studying in relation to training and nutrition. I always want to continue to grow and learn more there. But as you understand, like as you get busier and busier, it changes to where you can't just in the middle of the day, like randomly spend a couple hours like studying a topic, right? So that's something that I found I have to be very intentional with. Mm. From there, journaling is another thing that's very i've always found to be extremely helpful but i've also always found that it's very hard for me to do consistently so basically in my i like said 90 day outcomes which i bet you i imagine you're probably familiar with as well and almost always one of those is journaling right and for me it's simple as 10 minutes a day but like knowing i have to actually set aside 10 minutes to do it allows me to actually be very intentional with that and in that i'll dig into Basically, why am I doing what I'm what I'm doing today? Why is this important to me? How do I want to handle the day? Um, and this has definitely evolved a lot over the last couple of years. Then I'll basically go on a 20 minute walk, um, listen to something personal development related. And really for me, that's the majority of it outside of just like what's in my own head, because also, and you're probably this way as well. I know I'm always like coming up with, like, I have all these thoughts about life and like kind of like my different mantras and something that's been very helpful for me, honestly, has just been realizing that I'm probably never going to reach a point where I'm content with where I'm at. And that's okay. Right. Like very much like, cause it's so easy for me to look at my life as I'll achieve this thing and then I'll finally have, I'll finally like feel content and I'll feel like I've made it and we're set and I don't need to do more and understanding like I'm never going to hit that place. And that's part of the beauty of it, right? Like basically it is essentially at the end of the day, can I look back on the day and say, I did such good work today. I wasn't distracted. I'm proud of what I did today. I know I over-delivered and everything that I did. And basically looking at it as kind of a daily battle where, like, okay, and tomorrow, like me being happy isn't necessarily me ever reaching a certain point. It's knowing that every day I'm kind of, I am like winning that battle, so to speak, rather than losing it, which would be like, man, I wasn't productive today. I missed all my stuff. I don't feel like I over-delivered or like kind of acted with my core values. Uh, that's been a thought process is very helpful for me. And just kind of looking at it as like the day-to-day and like winning that as really what gives me the most sense of fulfillment rather than like having to achieve X thing. Kind of off on a tangent there, not really. I don't know if that's even relevant to your original question, but for me currently, 
that's what personal development looks like. In the past, it has varied a lot. Like I've done things like improv or like one of the things was kind of working through social anxiety and really becoming a better speaker. So for me, that was things like starting a podcast, um, doing Instagram lives, going to improv. So it really, it really varies on kind of where I'm at and what I feel like my biggest weaknesses are. But like with where I'm at currently, that's kind of what it looks like. Yeah, very interesting. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, absolutely. So I think just to sort of like, I mean, I had a question on um, a bit more coaching related to sort of going back to like where we were just now, but... Um, oh, no problem. <laughs> you know, like, I feel like, okay, I, I think in like the States probably, I don't know, like, do you feel like people are a bit more educated? I don't know. Like when it comes to like nutrition at least, like... They understand like you know food, um, basically the nutritional value in food, right? The food um, carry density, all those sorts of things. Um, when you have, and I would assume that most of your clients do track macros, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you have like sort of like people come to you like and they maybe like this is not something that they are that they feel is gonna fit in their lifestyle. Um, and, you know, we understand that, like, you know, basically tracking macros is like a tool, right? And it's like maybe the starting point. Um, and eventually the goal is to wean you off of it, right? But mm-hmm. some people aren't, aren't exactly like ready or, you know, willing to go through that process. Um, how do you approach that? And like, would you like, I mean, there are like alternatives, right? Like, you know, like done like PN and everything, like hand portioning and all of that. Right. Uh, but I mean... My personal opinion is that, I mean, that, that can be done, but like, you know, your, your results are just going to be um, sort of slightly compromised, right? Like, um, mm. I don't know, like what, what, your, what your thoughts are on that and how would you help suffering through that? Yeah, absolutely. So we will occasionally talk to someone who hasn't ever tracked macros before or have tried in the past and kind of found it overwhelming. So within that, I just like to have a conversation around it. Like, first of all, if this isn't something you're hesitant to do, why is that? And again, as you mentioned, a lot of times it will be, well, I just like don't see it fitting into my life, right? And it's okay if tracking macros just isn't for you. Not everybody has to follow that process. That said, like for us, typically if someone isn't willing to track their macros, we'll like, hey, like we can point you to people that are much better with like the habit-based side of things, but like with how we operate, we can't give you the best service if that's not something you're willing to do. So very much how I frame this for people is kind of look at it like your bank account, right? Whereas this is where we have essentially a daily spending goal, that goal being like your calorie spending goal. So the cool thing about tracking is we know every day, okay, like if we keep this within the spending target, we should be losing. Now, the thing is, if you are not tracking, it's kind of like, you have the savings goal that you want to hit. Let's say you want to save up $100,000, but you never, ever check your bank account. You don't really know how much money is coming in, how much money is going out. You might get there eventually, but it's probably going to take a lot longer to get there than if we just spend a period of time focusing on this. And as you said, like it doesn't have to be lifelong, but as coaches, this allows us to do things like dig into your food diary on a consistent basis and educate you around your food, help you understand portion sizes better right? Very much. Well, it's not something you have to do forever. It is the quickest way to one, get the result that you want, 
because again, like we're much, we're able to be much more precise with your intake. So actually get done with the actual diet and get back to the point where you eat more food, maintaining and potentially not tracking quicker. But also again, this just allows us to teach you so much more and really just help you better. Because again, if we don't have some type and the thing to understand is that even if you're not tracking macros, you're typically going to have to be tracking something to work with a coach, right? Like even if we're using the handful diet, we're tracking like, Hey, how did you adhere to this? How many handfuls of carbs did you eat? How many handfuls of fat did you eat? Right. There's still like typically something that we're tracking there, but this is the quickest way to achieve the result. We can actually see your food logs when we help you te- help teach you so much. And the thing to understand is very few people can successfully make fat loss, maintain fat loss without learning all these habits, right? So all the habits that we can build by seeing this data, like, hey, your protein's low here. Here's some good options that we do to increase this. Hey, we could add more fibrous carbs. Here's some good options, right? Like we can teach you all these habits, like building your meals around protein and a lean carb source, for example, and focusing on mostly filling foods. We can teach you those so much quicker if we see, we can see your food logs and talk you through those on a consistent basis. So you can actually get to a point where you don't want to maintain without tracking sooner. I'll typically approach it like that. And most everybody is like, oh yeah, that makes complete sense. And then I think the other important thing to understand is like a lot of times people struggle with macros because they just tried it on their own and they had no idea how to actually hit them or a coach just gave them macros without any further context or guidance. So like a big thing we do with our clients is the first two weeks that they start, we'll assign macro goals, but we'll also send over like an example day of eating, what that could look like. And then we'll hold them accountable to actually planning their day of food ahead of time in alignment with those macro goals and sending it over to us the night before. Now within this, we make sure it's clear, like, hey, this doesn't have to be perfect. Just do your best to get close to these targets and we'll help you fill in the gaps. And then we're talking through on the daily, like. Okay, so we see protein is a little bit low here. From the food choices we know you like, like, hey, here's a good recipe, or hey, we could swap this for this. And that would actually bump your protein and bring the fat down a little bit and you hit both those targets. So we're also providing a lot of education around that. I think for a lot of people, that's a very helpful piece is typically missing as well. Mm. Yeah, I think so. I definitely picked up a couple of things that I'm going to start to do uh, from your sharing. So thanks. Good. I'm glad that was helpful. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really happy with like what we, we dived into, you know, I just have a couple of like, sort of like fun questions, uh, for you. (laughs) So interesting. I would like to know, like, you know, like, what do you actually like, what would you, what do you actually want? How do I ask this question? What did you want to be when you were a kid? Yes. And, and why? And I'm, I'm obviously you didn't want to training and nutrition coach online I guess you didn't even know that existed so so when I was a little kid I wanted to be an author and I was gonna write about I was gonna write historical fiction about ancient Greece and ancient Rome that was like my plan for my life um and I was actually like like as a little kid I was like writing a book about ancient Rome so that's what I thought I was gonna do I've always loved writing a lot and it's cool that like now that's still such a big part of what I do, but that's what I thought my occupation was going to be. Really cool. Yeah. And, and then now you have your blog. So. Yeah. And I, I just, I just love to write. So that's kind of always been like that. Awesome. Um, okay, cool. Like, okay. My next one, which I, I didn't, I, I think I'm going to keep this as like a staple uh, for like everybody that comes on, like on the interview. Uh, I don't know how I would answer this question. That's why I am interested to hear how everybody else would answer this question. <laughs> I'm nervous. <laughs> yeah, it's a, 
Okay, if you could have like a billboard with like anything on it, like what would it be and, and why? If I could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? Oh man, just anything. I would honestly have a giant... <laughs> I feel like a lot of people are probably going to like say something super meaningful. I think I would have a giant billboard of my dog because she is genuinely like the cutest. Actually, it would probably be this video that I have of her as a puppy, like the day we got her. It's just like, she's so tiny. She's so cute. I think actually just if you were driving by and you saw this billboard of just our puppy and how adorable she was <laughs> the day we got her, um, that would make you so happy. I, I like constantly like look back at pictures and videos of my dog and I, I really love my dog. But honestly, I think if I, if you just gave me that option, that's probably what I would do actually. <laughs> that's really interesting. I did not expect that. <laughs> I was trying to think of like quotes off the back of the top of my head, but I couldn't think of anything as well. <laughs> yeah, it could it could probably be something more meaningful or like inspiring, but I really think if I, that's probably what I would choose. I think it would make a lot of people super happy, which is a great outcome. Yeah, totally. Okay, cool. I want to respect your time as well. So, um, could you share like maybe how people could like, you know, catch your awesome content, blogs and all of that, uh, podcasts, um, maybe tell them where they could reach you so they can reach all of your amazing content. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you can find our blogs at barefit.com. That said, we are almost done with our new re website rebrand. So that might, by the time this comes out, be elevatedcoachingsystems.com. Um, we drop vlogs there every single week. Uh, you can listen to my podcast at it's called Living Me. You can follow me on Instagram at Jeremiah Bear. And yeah, that is basically where to find me. Okay, awesome. I will link all of that in the show notes so that people can you know catch you and learn from you. So that's super awesome. I am super glad that you decided to come on as my first ever um <laughs> podcast guest so thanks for thanks for taking your time um, out of your day and i really appreciate it of course i am honored to be here and this was a super fun conversation all right that wraps it up for this episode of the defitzo podcast thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed the episode and if you did please leave a five-star review if you haven't already they help a lot more than you know and if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. Shoot me a DM on Instagram. I'd love to connect or jump in my inbox. I'm going to link all of these things below so you know how to reach me. I'd love to get connected with you and help you out in any way that I can. All right, that's it from me. Have a wonderful day and I'll talk to you soon.